welcome again. Uh, glad that you're here on this, uh, this Palm Sunday weekend. Um, one of the things I, I just want to tell you that I sometimes do, I am sometimes distracted. Does anyone else have the issue of at times being distracted? You have a lot of things going through your mind. And so someone says something to you, they, they share an announcement or something you need to know. Perhaps it's your wife who says, hey, don't forget to do. And you say yes, even though you have no idea what he or she just said, has that ever happened to any of you? Never happened to me, but it may, maybe, maybe for you. Honey, has that ever happened? Maybe once or twice? I, anyway, so you just heard something, and I want to make sure that none of you were distracted. You weren't thinking about what are we going to have for lunch or, you know, what are we going to do this afternoon? The service next week is at 9 a.m., okay? Not 9.30 a.m. So, if you just want to hear the sermon, come at the regular time, 9.30 a.m. If you want the entire Easter experience, 9 a.m. Okay, did everybody, everybody hear that? Okay, three people said yes, so that's good. So, so what time next week at the CPA? Good job, good job. Share that with your friends and family, please. Uh, if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. If you did not bring a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible in the seat pocket in front of you. I want to encourage you to grab that. Uh, you will find Luke, chapter 19, on page 1632 in that blue Bible uh, that we have provided for you. We'd love for you to have that in front of you uh, as we move through this today. 38 days ago, or actually 39 days ago, we began a journey, uh, a journey through the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as told by the gospel writer Luke. Uh, we have, as you saw in that opening video, we have been reading, hearing, and sharing together. If you've been reading along in the story of uh, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus in Luke, you're almost finished. You only have a few days left in that, in that journey. You're here today, and we're hearing again from uh, the gospel, and, and uh, you may be a part of a group or a class that's sharing it together in the small group curriculum that we have uh, put together, or maybe you've been sharing with one another just about your journey through reading the scriptures. Uh, we, uh, I noted for you three weeks ago, a turning point in the story. Back in the ninth chapter, so ten chapters ago, we looked at this moment, which comes after Jesus had predicted for the second time what would happen uh, when he came to Jerusalem. So in Luke 9 verse 51, if you didn't underline it a few weeks ago, you might want to go back and underline it in your Bible uh, today because it's a really important turning point in Luke's gospel. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We talked about this as a moment when Jesus makes his decision to begin his journey to Jerusalem, and from Luke chapter 9, through everything we have read in the weeks since, Jesus has been moving closer and closer to Jerusalem. Today, what we're going to look at is the culmination of that journey. We are going to look at Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem, what happens when he finally arrives there. But I want to point out to you first a couple things about this journey. So let me first, uh, I want to show you this map. This is a map of the Holy Land uh, where Jesus lived out his days. And the first thing I want to point out to you right here in the center is the Sea of Galilee. 
Uh, it's called a sea in all four Gospels, although it's not really a sea. It's a really, really large lake. And most of Jesus' public ministry was spent around the Sea of Galilee, visiting the towns and villages there, preaching in the synagogues. This is where most of that ministry took place. This is where Jesus is in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, when he makes the decision to head to Jerusalem. Now, this body of water here, the Sea of Galilee, the waters empty out of the Sea of Galilee, they, they flow down the Jordan Valley in the Jordan River. They come all the way down here to what on this map is labeled as the Salt Sea. It's also known as the Dead Sea. Both are very appropriate titles. Uh, the, the Dead Sea has a very high concentration of salt. Because of that, Everything dies in the Sea of Galilee, and people float. And trust me, I've been there. It's so bizarre. But in the Sea of Galilee, you would float if you were in uh, the Dead Sea because of just the way in which the, uh, the mineral content of this body of water. This is the lowest body of water on the entire earth. So this uh, Jordan Valley journey is what Jesus would have taken when he made the decision to come to Jerusalem. So he would have traveled the 70 miles, did, did you hear that? 70 miles, no car, no train, okay? Walked 70 miles to the city of Jericho. That's where Jesus arrives in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. You may have read that this week. Uh, Luke says that Jesus came to Jericho and was passing through because, again, he's not ending his journey in Jericho. He did stay long enough to speak to a man named Zacchaeus who was up in a sycamore tree, but I won't say any more about that because I don't want to get that song stuck in your head. But from Jericho, Jesus made a turn, and he would have traveled the final 18 miles to the city of Jerusalem. Now, from Jericho, all right, remember the Dead Sea, lowest body of water on the entire earth. Jericho is 800 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is 2,500 feet above sea level. So over the course of 18 miles, Jesus would have ascended, everyone who was traveling with him would have ascended over 0.6 miles in elevation, okay? This is not like the run you want to take on the, on the weekend, you know, 18-mile journey where you, the elevation change is uh, oh, 0.6 miles. This was a hike. This was a very difficult journey, the final leg of leaving Jericho and ascending into Jerusalem, coming to the holy city, the place where he had decided so long before to go to. This was his destination, coming to the city of Jerusalem. And we're going to look in Luke 19, beginning in verse 37, we're going to look at what happens when Jesus arrives in the city of Jerusalem. So verse 37, listen to this. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he replied, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
So Jesus has made the final leg of this journey. He's walked these last 18 miles. He comes to the Mount of Olives. And now he finally begins to descend into the city of Jerusalem. He's greeted by the crowds who welcome him as a conquering king, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, I want to tell you about the first time that I had the chance to walk down the Mount of Olives. It was in 2014. Uh, pastor Mike, who was our senior pastor at the time, asked me to go on this trip that we were taking to the Holy Land. And I'd never been before, never been overseas for that length of time. And so I, I didn't know really why I was going. I said, you know, you're leading the trip. Why do I need to go? And he said, well, you may lead trips like this one day. So you come along uh, and, and you just, you know, I'll do everything. All you have to do is enjoy the trip. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty easy, you know, okay, I'll do that. And so sign up for the trip, and then a lot of other people signed up for the trip, and so many people signed up for the trip that we didn't fit on one bus anymore. And because we didn't fit on one bus anymore, that meant that Mike was going to lead one bus, and I was going to lead one bus. And I said to him, I said, Mike, I've never been there. I mean, I've read the Bible, but I don't know where we're going. I don't know what these places look like. I don't know how to prepare people for this. I don't know how to, you know, he said, well, there's a guy. They'll take care of that. Plus, we'll be together the whole time. It'll be no big deal. You just follow me. All you have to do is make sure people get off the bus and get on the bus. And I thought, well, I've been a youth pastor. I can do that. You know, just herding cattle. That's, I've got that on my resume. I can do that. So, so we go to the Holy Land. We land in the evening after after dark uh, in Tel Aviv, we make the, the bus ride to our hotel, have a nice meal, uh, getting ready to rest before uh, the first day. And Mike and I went to go meet with our two guides. And we said, hey, this is the deal. We're all together, so we kind of want to be together the whole time. And they said, oh, no, that's not going to work at all. Because you have so many people that if we try to do this together, it'll take too long. And so we're really going to have to, you know, we'll try to do a few things together, but we're going to be kind of going our, our own ways. And Mike said, okay, that's fine. I was like, Mike, I don't know what we're doing. I, I don't know what to do. He said, don't worry, you'll be fine. So I go to bed eventually, you know, in my panic thinking, oh gosh, I hope I don't lose someone. I hope no one's kidnapped. You know, I hope, you know all, all these things are going through my head. We wake up the next morning and our guide, my guide says to us, we're going, we're going to start the day by walking down the Mount of Olives. It's like, okay, well, that sounds pretty cool, I guess. You know, we're going to enter Jerusalem just like Jesus did. It's raining, like kind of a light rain that morning. And, and we come to a place on a road where the bus stops and the door opens and he says, everybody out. Okay, we get out of the bus and we're just standing there. I'm like, what are we, do? I don't see them out. Where's Jerusalem? You know, I don't know where we are. And he says, go up there and take a right. So we kind of walk up and you take a right and then you look down and there is a pathway, a road that goes down the Mount of Olives. And, and when I say down, I mean you go down. It, it, it is down. It is a very steep road down the Mount of Olives, and it's a very narrow road. It's like the, the, the width of a compact car, okay? And when I say compact car, none of you drive a car this small, okay? I promise you, you don't. They don't even sell them here. These are very, it's a very, very narrow road. It's so narrow that if there is a car coming up the road, and yes, cars drive on the road, if there's a car coming up the road and one coming down the road, a game of chicken ensues, okay? And, and they, one of them has to eventually either back up all the way to the mountain or all the way down in order to clear the traffic jam. So I look down this road, and it's raining, by the way. Did you hear that part? And, and I've got all these people on this bus, and the bus is leaving, and he's saying, walk down the... 
And all I can think of is we're going to be in the hospital within the hour. I mean, this is, someone is going to slip and fall down this road. We've walked very, very carefully down the Mount of Olives. I mean, this incredible, spiritual, deep, meaningful moment. It wasn't that at all. It was just total fear and panic. I hope no one falls. But luckily, halfway down, we, we turn. And you walk kind of parallel to the, to the steep incline. And you enter into this kind of garden area. And this part of the Mount of Olives is dedicated to what happened next in the story. So look with me at verse 41. As he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I want to show you what you see from this vantage point. If you look out from this spot you see the city, the old city of Jerusalem. Uh, You see here the the walls of the old city. And if you come all the way over here to the right, you see here the gate. It's been closed up now, but this is the gate that Jesus would have entered that day as he came down the Mount of Olives, crossing what is here, the Kidron Valley, which separates the Mount of Olives from the mount that the temple is built on. The gold dome that you see there in the center, in the time of Jesus, you can just replace that in your mind with the temple. That's what Jesus would have seen from that place. There before him was the glory and the grandeur of the great temple mount and the temple that had been dedicated to Yahweh. And it's in that spot among all of the celebration, the shouts of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, all of the celebration that Jesus pauses and he weeps as he looks out over the glory and grandeur of this city. If you turn around from this vantage point, this is what you will see. This is a chapel, very small chapel that was constructed there in the 1950s. It was built in the shape of a teardrop. Again, to remember what happened in this place as Jesus came down the Mount of Olives and took his final steps into the city of Jerusalem. One of the other things that you can see if you go to Jerusalem today, you can actually walk on. These are the ancient streets of the city of Jerusalem. This is just outside uh, the western side of the Temple Mount structure. So this is the other side of the wall. And there you see all of these rocks uh, that line the city streets. Because here's what happened about 40 years after the crucifixion of Jesus. There was an army that came and encircled the city of Jerusalem. Uh, There was an army that came and and entered into the city, and, and, and this army did in fact cause havoc and destruction among the people who were living there. The Roman army had come to put down the rebellion that had started in Jerusalem, and yes, in fact, they had done exactly what Jesus said they would do. They had taken the stones that should have been up here on top of the 
Temple Mount walls and they had thrown them down when they came and sacked the city and destroyed the temple that has never been rebuilt since. And so again, you can go there today and you can see these large boulders that have been sitting in these streets for almost 2,000 years in fulfillment of the prophetic words that Jesus shares in verse 43 and verse 44. If only today, if only today, Jesus says, if only you would have known what would bring you peace. And yet they did not know and they did not receive him as Messiah. They rejected his message of peace. And Jesus pauses in the middle in the middle of this journey down the Mount of Olives because he knows everything that will be lost because of the people's rejection that was to come. So after this long journey, traveling again the 70 miles down the Jordan Valley, turning and, and, and traveling those difficult last 18 miles, ascending up, uh, coming to the crest of the hill on the Mount of Olives, and then, and then beginning the, the, the descent down into the city, the emotion of the moment overwhelms Jesus. And here we see the Savior of the world coming to the city that he had made a commitment to enter. He comes to the city and he weeps because he is simply overwhelmed by the moment that he is in. Today I want to invite you just to consider this, uh, this simple idea that it is a moment of great significance when God is brought to tears. That's what we see here. Among the, all the celebration and everything that we remember about Palm Sunday, there is within it this snapshot of God grieving over the city of Jerusalem and everything that will happen there because they did not receive the Messiah and they wanted to go their own way. Because they said, we don't need you. We don't want your help. We've got it all figured out. We want to do it our own way. And it's because of that that, that God comes to this place and he grieves. And he weeps in sadness over the rebellion of this city. And I wonder, when was the last time in your life when you had a moment like this? When was the last time in your life when out of a deep desire to bless, serve, or perhaps even save another, when you found yourself just overcome by emotion? Someone that you love, that you care about, who, who you could see was heading down a path that wasn't a good path. And you found yourself just grieving over what you knew would happen because they could not find a better path to pursue. 
We only have to go back a few chapters to, to, to see this uh, lived out in the scriptures. Go back to the story of the son who left his father's home, the parable that many of us know as the prodigal son. And of course, it has a wonderful happy ending, right? There's a moment when the son comes to his senses. He's in a distant country. He squandered all the wealth that his father had given to him. In his rebellion, he, he finally repents of that. He comes to his senses, the scriptures say, and he decides to come home to his father's house. And when he does, the father sees him on the horizon before he even arrives, and dad jumps off the porch, and he runs, and he embraces his son. And before he can even get out the speech that he has practiced for his dad, his father's already telling the servants to prepare the party. It's a beautiful moment. And it's easy in the midst of reading that story to forget that that day must have come after so many days where that father had come to that exact same spot and maybe for hours stared off into the distance watching the horizon until the sun went down and another day's hope vanished. How many days, how many, how many nights had that father had a moment just like Jesus in tears praying, bring my son home, bring him home. This is the, this is the prayer of the mom and dad who are watching a son or a daughter's life ravaged by the slavery that they have to an addiction. This is the prayer of a, of a loved one who is asking God repeatedly for a healing in the life of a loved one that doesn't seem to come. It's the frustration, the crying out that says, is this going to get better? knowing everything that is being lost, every pain that is being endured, this is what we see in Jesus here. It is a moment of great significance when God is brought to tears. And though there is much ahead, we're, we're not done with the story. We're working to continue with Jesus these last few days. And, and, and we're going to invite you over the next week to, to walk with Jesus in the midst of these final moments. We're going to invite you to come here on Thursday to remember the last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. To remember that night when, when he left that meal and went to the garden to pray. We're going to encourage you to come back on Friday to mark the moment, the, the day in which Jesus was not only arrested and, and, and hastily tried, but also eventually crucified. And yes, we're looking forward to next weekend. And yes, we're looking forward to, to the celebration that we will share together on Resurrection Sunday. But this is a week that you must, you should walk through slowly and patiently and deliberately you should treasure the moments that are involved, but we shouldn't move too quickly past the moment that we see today. When we find Jesus grieving here over Jerusalem and over the pain that will be endured. I want you to think about what do you learn about Jesus? What do you learn about Jesus and who he is and, and what his life was all about from this moment? 
What do you learn about the capacity of his love and his character that he comes to this place and he grieves? What is it that we learn about Jesus that we should carry with us in the week ahead as we think about the Last Supper and the crucifixion and the day when all hope died? There's two things I want you to think about this week. The first is that Jesus grieves over my rebellion. The love of God is not naive. It's not. God knows everything about us. He knows all the mistakes that we have made. He knows all the pain that we have caused in our own life and in the lives of others. God is well aware of how destructive and painful our rebellion can be. And he knows intimately how we often respond as human beings when we say, I want to do it my own way. I want to walk my own path. We, just like those who have come before us, say, we don't want your kingdom, we want our own. And Jesus grieves over that. He grieves over that. He is well aware of it. And yet at this moment, just before he crosses that final valley to enter into the city of Jerusalem, we see him grieving. We see him marking that sadness. And yet he still continues towards the city to the place where he will lay down his life. And a moment when any one of us would have said, I quit, Jesus continues the journey walking into Jerusalem. And so as you walk with him this week, I, I hope this thought will guide you that left with nothing but love, Jesus enters Jerusalem. He knows our rebellion. He knows our sin. He knows the damage we have caused ourselves, the damage that we cause in the lives of others. And yet he refuses to quit because he made his decision so many chapters ago, I am going to Jerusalem and I'm going to lay down my life. And the only thing that sent him into that city was love. Love for you and love for me. Love for those who had rejected him. Love for those who would reap the destruction. Jesus enters the city. Jesus goes to the cross with nothing but love. Here's how John says it in his gospel. This is right before the Last Supper. John adds this, this little note before Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so this week, as we walk these final steps with Jesus through his last days, as we see him in the temple teaching, as we see him serving and washing his disciples' feet and, and taking the, the bread and the juice and marking these moments in these significant ways, facing his betrayal, facing the hasty trial, the punishment, the mocking, the pain that he endured, 
I hope you will walk these steps deliberately, and I hope you will hold in your heart this idea, having loved me from the very beginning, Jesus will love me to the very end. Having loved me from the very beginning, Jesus will love me to the very end. And so we walk humbly, and we walk patiently, and we ask God to reveal to us our sin and our rebellion. We ask for God to lead us to a better path. We ask for God to teach us what it means to really pursue life. And we wait with expectation, with the broken lives that we have, hoping that maybe, just maybe, Jesus may be able to take the broken pieces of our life and make us whole again. I hope you will join me this week as we walk these final steps with Jesus. Let's pray. Loving God, we have shared with you this incredible journey. From the very beginning, the, uh, the beginning of the life of Jesus, those early moments in his ministry, the amazing stories and parables that he shared, the, the way in which, Lord, he faced his adversaries, hearing the predictions that he made about how his life would come to an end, and yet seeing his incredible commitment to go to that very place where he would face his final suffering. We now enter with him into the city of Jerusalem and we, and we know what comes next. And so, Lord, as we approach the Last Supper, this holy week, these sacred days, Lord, allow our hearts to break again as we approach that moment on Good Friday so that we, Lord, may bring to you in the days ahead those broken pieces as we anticipate the resurrection, the renewal, the wholeness of life that only you can bring. We thank you, Lord, for this story. And we pray that you would help each and every one of us find our place in it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.